We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on my left side here, we have David. Greetings, everyone. Ooh, he switched it up Greetings. on us. <laughs> oh, man. Also known as Nightly. Across from me, we have Freddie. What's up? We're all together again. Spooky <sighs> boys. Nice. Back oh, at yeah. it. Spook I'm feeling boys. better. Spook I was sick. voice. <laughs> yeah, you're feeling better. Yeah, I lost yes. my voice. Oof. So the viewers or the listeners missed me. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we missed you. So you take care of that voice for a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, starting off the new year with a walk down horror lane. Ooh, this was pretty crazy. Oh my god! If not, Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Excuse me, Sir. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. What a fucking mm. movie. I love this movie. And I realized <laughs> within this past year, I am such a Hitchcock fan. Really? Oh my yeah. God, yes. I've seen a lot of Hitchcock films this, this year. I actually just watched Shadow of a Doubt last week. Oh, or no, wow. just a couple days ago. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And Shadow of the Doubt's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Never seen oh, it. Oh, man. You should watch, have you seen like Rear, Rear Window and Vertigo and all that stuff? No, I need to watch Vertigo. I was supposed Vertigo's to fantastic. watch it, but I uh, missed the opportunity to, so I'm going to actually watch that pretty soon. Okay. Nice. Yeah, watch Vertigo. Both of you guys, watch Vertigo. Vertigo's fantastic. We'll do. Uh, yeah, color. okay, so officially thoughts. Like, we know David loves it. <laughs> I love Psycho, man. <laughs> oh, fucking Psycho, So dude. let me, since you're asking thoughts, right, and you, we already know my thoughts, I actually was introduced <laughs> to Psycho first through Bates Motel. Good. Interesting. Yeah. This made me want to watch Bates Motel. Really? Because I've so, never seen the show. Yeah. I actually watched, like, I think the first two seasons of Bates Motel, and I knew it was a, uh, like, a preclude to Psycho, and I... Very interesting. Didn't... Show. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting I, I fell off because it got pretty intense for me. Yeah. Um, but Whoa. it was more so, it just made me question, like, I knew Psycho was a really well, well-renowned movie. But I didn't really know anything about Psycho. I didn't even watch any Hitchcock films at that point watching Bates Motel. And it made me just wonder, 
what, what does this all lead up to? Like, I want to, I'm curious about Psycho. And I didn't watch it till years later. Um, Bella actually had me watch it with her. Nice. And yeah, uh, there's, there's about three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, man, when I was watching it, I was just so impressed. I hadn't really delved into like film history at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like now I'm pretty like well versed in it. But um, I was just really impressed. 1960, right? 1960. I was really impressed that. The way he actually just, like films everything. Yeah, it's man. so incredible. That for 1960, it was really, really impressive. For now, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I feel like this movie really holds up. It, it doesn't does. look like it's dated at all. It feels really... Feels good. Good. It's like, easy to follow, too. Yeah, it's a, yeah it's, I can see someone who is done. like a director who's really into like art house films and like makes this movie like now in 2019. Right. And right. it'll actually like make sense. Yeah, yeah Hitchcock was a genius. Yeah, yeah Hitchcock he's good. It was fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. the birds... Vertigo, Rear Window, like, I mean, the, just the way he, like, depicts things, he was really, like, a firm believer of the actual, like, artboard, right? Mm, like, yeah. he, he made sure, he was just like, okay, if we're if we're drawing this out for a storyboard, we have to follow this from shot for shot for shot for shot. Yeah. And, like, the whole scene of, we'll get to it, actually. He's but really he's, good at He's editing. fantastic. It's oh, he's so fantastic. Good. The sound design's great. Yeah. Like he, he's just really, really good. Um, and Anthony Perkins, playing as Norman Bates, fantastic. Yeah, great All job. of them. Oh great acting across the board, great editing, great cinematography. It's good. I, mean, I thing, like this movie a lot. Yeah, the thing about Hitchcock is he, he does such a good job of making the audience... Um, be fully aware that they're going to know everything that's happening. And yeah. even though you do, right. you're still in suspense. Like, I mean, Hitchcock kills the main character <laughs> halfway through the movie. And the movie yep. keeps going. Sure and fucking does, people, dude. like, at the time, I'm sure were just like, the main character's dead? Yeah. yeah. Like, what? Where do we, and there's we go enough, from like, here? character development where you actually kind of care about it. Yeah. 100%. And, and, that's yeah. A, and the thing about Hitchcock films, at least I've noticed, is, like, he he makes it so it seems like the movie's ending at so many different points, and it just keeps going and yeah. going and going. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's great. Oh. <laughs> Such a great suspense. Oh, suspense is everything. It's fantastic. And the, and the thing I love about this movie the most is the fact that the way – the way he depicts um, uh, Marion and the way he depicts Norman's relationship, fantastic. Like, she, you obviously know there's an attraction. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marion's very pretty, and Norman is a little odd, but at the same time, he's very friendly. Yeah. And like, he's not bad looking either. He's not. No, he's not no. a bad looking guy. He's pretty cute. And he, he has like this little thing about him to where that she liked. He's quirky. Yeah. 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 Like she, she, she liked something about him because if she didn't, she wouldn't have had fucking sandwiches with him. That's yeah. true. She was in his office. Parlor. She was curious. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was things like that where it's just like, of course, at the, eventually he got weirder and weirder as time went on, yeah. which was fantastic you just saw like his mind shifting slowly yeah. turning into like insanity and it was great but uh anthony perkins fun fact about him his son is named osgood uh osgood perkins makes uh a bunch of horror films he makes nice. one in particular which is one of my favorites uh called the black coat's daughter uh which is a fantastic movie that is very unsettling to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the this is the first time I've seen. I think her name is Kiernan, Kiernan Shipka. She plays Sabrina in the, the new Twitch. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, in the new show. I still need to watch that. Um, 
And you don't. But oh, it's fun. It's whatever. It's fine. It's, it's just, she does a good job. She does great. Yeah. yeah it's teen great. horror. If you if you're if you're into it, go for it. I love teen horror. Um, so you're like, I'm yeah, about it. I'm yeah. gonna watch like it. Like if you yeah. like high school shit, then I love like all it. that yeah. teen shit. Yeah, so go for it then. You'll probably enjoy it. But um that was the first time I've seen her was in that. And mm. you really see how Oz actually depicts in his movies like where all the Alfred Hitchcock shit happened. Like, you really, like, picture, like, because Osgood would not be on set with Alfred Hitchcock, but with his dad, Anthony. Yeah. And um, it would just be interesting, like, the stuff he would soak up like a sponge in presenting it to us today. Because uh, he, he made Blacko's Daughter, uh, I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House. Um, and just all of these just really interesting horror films. Um, but his he's mostly known for... Um, uh, God, I'm blanking out on the name of it, but that's a different story for a different time. But anyway, this movie's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Psycho, fucking great. Um, you guys have any more things you want to say? You guys have any more love you would like to give Psycho this before is I jump sound into the plot? so superficial, but Hitchcock is known for this. He puts such attractive people in his movies, like the women and he, the men. He that's loves true. people. He loves beautiful women, yes, and like it's very well known, but like... And apparently he's was kind of a a creep as well when it came to uh, actors and actresses. Supposedly he was a little odd. Yeah. 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 But um man, going back on what you were saying earlier where there's this like kind of tension between um Norman and um what's her name? Starts with M. Marion. Marion. Um it works for the audience too, because I'm sure the audience is attracted to the majority of the characters really in the film mm-hmm. and they they kinda wanna see, I mean it opens up with um, a love scene. A love scene, and you yeah. know, we had Miriam like in a bra. Hot, yeah. And yeah. for the sixties, I'm like, this is awesome, right? <laughs> it's such a good track. He tried um, to get into the window. Yeah. It's uh, we'll talk and there's about it. Yeah, yeah, and he's he does that a lot in his films. At least I've a noticed. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a there's very passionate kissing on the neck and stuff like that. And like a lot of, I'm sure a lot of moviegoers like wanted to go and see films like Hitchcock films because of that. Totally. Sure. And it yeah, of course. works in the throughout the film where it's like when there are moments of tension, you kind of want to see it escalate. True. So I think yeah. it works really well. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what a fucking movie. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the plot, guys. So Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, released June 16th, 1960, with a budget of $807,000, a box office of fifty. million. Dollars. Oh, my God. Rich Not boy. bad. Oh, my God. $50 million, which was one of the uh, highest grossing movies in the 1960s. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and it was for a while. I mean, put that in today's, like, money. Yeah. Like, it's huge. Like, he's, that was probably, like, maybe close to, like, maybe 500 mil. Like, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, a runtime of one hour and 49 minutes with a score of 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well deserved. Well deserved, well for sure. Well fucking deserved. Oh, Cold my class. God. But we open with a super startling sound of music <laughs> and I'll you say, just get these really fucking awesome opening credits right yes yeah like the, the distortion of the leathers so and then cool. like transitions so between cool. them it's so good it's it goes awesome. really well with the soundtrack so like, cool just looking at it i was like okay i'm in yeah dude it, it's cool. it's so awesome it's just like it's it it's something that like if you guys are wondering what we're talking about if you remember the movie the incredibles from pixar Okay. Yeah. Their opening scene is initially what Alfred Hitchcock does in his opening scene. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's like yeah. very like 
everything's moving yeah. out of the way, and it, it's very yeah. It's a good prep. It's awesome. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like it's it awesome. really preps you and puts you in the mood because the music is so overbearing. And yeah, it, and but, I love how they distort the letters too because it kind of shows yeah. what the movie's really about. It's like, yeah, everything's normal, but it's actually a little twisted as well. It's like, oh, so oh cool. man, it's pretty sick. So layers, cool layers dude. for sure. Uh, we pan across Phoenix, Arizona, on Friday, December eleventh at two forty-three p.m. I love that too. I love that too. Yeah, little, I, like, I, I like it. It's so good. It like pauses so under information. Pauses a little bit more information. <laughs> love it. And he wrote it all out. Yeah, which yeah. was it was just was something like that. elegant about it. Yeah, yeah it was, it was really really nice. Um, but we we slowly go inside of a window to a hotel room. We pan to Sam and Marion flirting and kissing on the bed. They are talking about their affair and how this needs to actually be the last time that they meet. Yeah. But, you know, Sam, he's like, nah. Can I say something <laughs> like, really quick about that? Please. The way the camera, like, pans in and goes to, like, the window Genius. and it goes inside the window and into the room. Great editing. Because 100%. That, that shit looks so seamless. It looks so smooth. And knowing that they probably filmed this with film and yeah. knowing that On they a had crane. to cut this. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's insane. Jesus. That like, shot alone, I was like, holy shit, this is 1960 and they're yeah. doing that. When it comes That's to, hard. When it comes to Hitchcock films, I think viewers don't even think about, like, how did how the camera was shot? do that? Yeah, how right. was it shot? It just yeah. it's it transitions so smoothly that they don't even question it. Yeah, from outside so the window good. into the room. Yes, yeah. so I could see the edit, but yeah. it's so clean where it's like, damn, that's really good for the 1960s. That's 100%. good for now. Yeah, exactly. even today, average viewers yeah. probably wouldn't even question it. Yeah, no, not not at all. Uh, Marion is letting him know that that it is okay that uh, they still see each other, but not as a couple. They yeah. can go to dinner and do all this other shit. Excuse me. A couple but things. A couple of things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam is okay with the idea of seeing her uh, with these set of boundaries. And I put, ooh wee, this is some steamy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is steamy. It is steamy, man. Marion wants to marry Sam. He is in the process of finalizing his divorce. So he told her she, she needs to like, all right, let me finish this with my ex-wife and all this other shit. We dissolve to Marion walking to work and ask Carolyn if Mr. Lowry is back from lunch because she's late, right? Um, but... If you guys notice, outside, Alfred Hitchcock is standing outside yeah. looking at the traffic. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but I know that <laughs> so he, cool. he, he, likes he, to put he cameos himself in his movies yeah. a lot, and it's I never loves catch it. it. Yeah, he loves it. Like it, it's so funny. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, he was just standing in the corner looking at the looking at the cars go by Damn. and all this other stuff, and it, it was rad. I never yeah. could catch it, but I heard I hear he does it all the time. Yeah, he does it all the time. All the time. He loves doing that shit. Um he, uh, and I put here, I was like, not he as an Alfred Hitchcock. He as a Mr. Lowry. <laughs> uh, he is helping someone buy a piece of property. So we know that this is a real estate agency at this point in time. Uh, Marion is nervous about getting caught that she is late. She asked Carolyn if anybody called for her. Her sister called to tell her that she'll be in Tuscan to do some buying and that uh, she will be gone all weekend. Before Carolyn can finish, Mr. Lowry and Tom uh, walk into the office. He is immediately flirting with Marion. What a fucking pig, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tom is, not not her boss. His flirting is like, look at all this money. I yeah, got. I was just like, bro, the fuck out of here, Tom. Yeah. And he was like, and I put here, Tom is, is also flashing his money around to Marion, but she doesn't seem impressed. But uh, Carolyn's just like, oh, shit, like, whoa. like. <laughs> I declare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom goes into Lowry's office. Uh, Lowry, oh, excuse me, skip the spot. Tom actually gives her money. Yeah. Right? Like, he gives her 40 grand. Yeah. And he, like, leaves it on her table, and Tom goes into uh, Lowry's office. Lowry, Lowry gives Marion, uh, Marion, 
instructions how to handle the money to put in the bank and write yeah. a check and all this other shit. Um, and she starts putting an envelope to seem like she's going to do what he told her to do. Yep. She knocks on Lowry's office window to let him know that she has a headache and she would like to go home. And I put here, damn lady, you just got there. Yeah. Like, and, and I've, like, yeah, yeah. you say millennials are lazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer. But she obviously wanted to go and put the money away. Yeah. Correct. Right? Like, she, she was just, she, she was, she, she was ready for the next plan. She already had ulterior motives with the one she had, had this money in her hand. Uh, Tom technically answers for Lowry and tells her to go take the rest of the day off <laughs> like, like he was her boss. Right. Uh, Marion walks back out. Carolyn asks ask her if she would like to take the pills. Marion declines. Pills can pay off happiness is what yeah. she says. Love it. Um, and I put here, only if she knew what the future holds. Pills can pay can do anything for you. <laughs> they can make you <laughs> feel like you're flying now. Uh, she heads back to her apartment with the wads of money that Tom gave her. Marion is packing up a su- suitcase to get the fuck out of there. So that's what I thought was really cool with like storytelling. Because at this point, I thought like, oh yeah, she'll go to the bank and then she'll go home. I didn't think she was going to steal the money. Right. But then it transitions to her at her house Love with a suitcase and then the money's still on the bed. So it's storytelling by showing visuals rather than like her yeah, saying like quiet. I'm going to like steal this right. money. So, yeah, I didn't. So I thought that was good storytelling. I didn't notice this um, until my second viewing of this movie. But when I originally watched it, I was like, "Yo, it's forty grand. She wants to steal it. Go for I it. I get it." Yeah. But um, my second time around, um, when her and her man are fondling in the hotel room, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have a discussion about debts and yes. money. And yeah. the gentleman describes that like uh, I've paid off my father's debts that didn't get me far because he ended up dying now i'm paying for this divorce and i'm yep. paying off everything for my ex-wife and he kind of declares that yo if i had money we'd be happy we'd be right. married and i think Miriam at this point is like this is this, it this my yeah, end. this is where we can go be happy and i'm gonna steal this money i'm gonna go find you i'm gonna go run away from you and that's the motive here and i right. never knew that the first time around i thought it was just greed but it's the greed for love yeah at this point now here, here's the thing that i i even like kind of question if she were to actually get away, right? Yeah. Like, okay, she gets the money, right? She goes to wherever she needs to go because she's not really going to Sam. She doesn't. Sam doesn't know no. this, yeah, right? Like, he doesn't know this happened. So I assumed she was going to get to wherever location she was going to get, call Sam, have them meet up, and then tell him. Yeah, I assume sure. that's how that was all going to go down. Um, but it didn't. She got caught. <laughs> Real bad. Uh, she is constantly looking back and forth at the money that is on her bed, and we see this with the camera work going back yeah. to her, back to the money. Looks really good. <laughs> she walks over to the envelope um, of money and stuffs it into her purse. She grabs her suitcase and jacket and dips. We dissolve to her uh, to her in the car driving. She gets to a stoplight and sees Larry walking across the street with right. Tom. And they both stop. And they look back and forth at each other. She like smiles at first, and he smiles back, and <laughs> and then they like realize like, oh shit, we know each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you should be at work because that's the only thing with this movie. But this is because it's mainly in black and white, right? Correct. Is that you? It's hard to tell what day it is, but this was a, the next day. Correct. So this was considered the next day when she did this. When she's about to leave. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it wasn't the same day. No. So this she is packed a different that night, day. left that morning. Right. So th- it makes it a little harder to un- to know when that is because, she, granted, it's 2.43 when she's having the conversation with Sam. We can assume that that conversation with Sam probably took about maybe a th- another 30 minutes or so um, or their escapades um, <laughs> took about that long. And um, 
that she gets to work, right? Yeah. So it's already semi late. She probably gets to work maybe around four o'clock ish. Correct. And then she dips out again early, takes a nap. So this is morning. Her now getting ready to leave. Mm. Um, she d d d d d dumb look on the boss's face. Dumb look. for sure. He's yeah. like yeah. he's like. He Wait, questions yeah. <laughs> like, uh, She immediately drives away after noticing uh, it was her boss. And I put here, it is now dark. This is the only time we know it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> and Marion gets tired while driving and pulls over on the highway be- um, because it's also raining. Right? Correct. And she's, it's hard to see. And she's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to pull over. We cut to the next morning and we see her car on the side of the road. Excuse me. A cop uh, comes up to her. Comes up to her car, knocks on the window. Marion wakes up in a panic and is about to drive off. Right. The co- yeah, the cop stops her from going. She explains the situation as to why she is sleeping on the side of the road. She asks the cop if she was if she has done anything wrong, um, and he assures her that she hasn't, but she's acting real sketchy and nervous. He asks for Marion's license, checks it, hands it back, checks her license plate. Um, and she immediately drives off afterwards. Mm-hmm. However, the cop is following her. <laughs> so I love this fucking scene. This scene so is so good. Much. Man, when I first watched this, I didn't realize she gave back the license. Yeah. I thought she drove off without her license. Oh, no. Yeah. And yeah, it was a back. slow speed chase. But yeah, second time around, I was like, oh, she does give it back. But when she takes out uh, her license, she hides all her paperwork and the, money and the money and all yeah. that. But she would have been fine if she just wasn't acting so sus. Right. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. It's just she Easily. couldn't play cool. She's clearly never done something like this right. before. She hasn't. She was like super nervous. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, granted, this is probably her first time stealing something, except especially something this large, yeah. $40,000 in, si- in the 60s. Insane. Yeah, you can get yourself a house. You, yeah. You'll be fine. And yeah, that's what like, this money was for. Right. So, like a new car was a hundred dollars, or no, seven hundred dollars. Yeah, with, with her trade car trade, with trade in. Yeah, because yeah, well, uh, you later on in the car dealership, we see that uh, there's sticker prices about twenty two, twenty two hundred. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking yeah. at forty grand, bro, you can buy a MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she <laughs> in fifteen years. In fifteen years, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she while she's driving, th- this is a really the the best part about this scene to me is the fact that it kind of has this motion of her looking back and forth yes, into the, the mirror, and the transitions are beautiful. I think for this. it's a total of three different shots. It's literally the rearview mirror, her yes. face, and then the cop and then the cop car, car. It's which so is so fucking good. cool. And this is you know nowadays we see it as normal for for sixties. It probably has been going on for a while, but like film is still pretty young at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty great. And especially at the time. Definitely. I'm sure it was yeah. nice to look at. And then the thing about it is, like, he's really good at creating that suspense. Oh, 100%. yeah. They go back and forth so many different times. And with the soundtrack playing in the That's background, it's add, just yeah. so good. So good. And then seeing so the, good. like, he's really good at storytelling by just showing scenery. Mm-hmm. Because then you see the like the exit coming up, and you're like, "Oh, okay, is she gonna exit, or is he gonna exit? Right, yeah. Which way is someone gonna go? Is he gonna continue following? Right, because because you have does. Los Angeles and you have Bakersfield. And I just realized this is what leads her to Bates, Bates, Bates Motel, Motel. Is Correct. this decision this right is here? It. Exactly. Yeah. This is the cop. Yeah. Oh, this is the this fork is, in the this world. Is the reason uh, why? Yeah, getting off the highway. And yep. it just transitions back and forth, even before they even reach the point where they're gonna like go off. Oh yeah, because yeah, that's when he goes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So she she was probably driving all day, right? Um, because she she was fifty miles away from Bakersfield. I I had to double check this just yeah. to see like how how, how long this is of a drive. It's about a five hour drive to get from Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. 
to Bakersfield, California. Yeah. Um, so with this five hour drive, like that was kind of me assuming the time frame of this because I was just like, wait a second, like how does she get here so fast? But at the same time, I had to realize she probably drove all day. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but it's initially like for us to drive to L.A. Mm-hmm. That's how long yeah. of a drive it is from Phoenix to Bakersfield or Phoenix to uh, Los Angeles as well. The cop eventually turns off of an exit before Marion. Uh, Marion continues driving to a car lot while she waits for an attendant. She is looking at the license plates of the other cars and notices that they're all California plates when hers is an Arizona plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so she knows it's like, all right, I need to change cars. She stops to get a newspaper. The cop that was following her spots her and pulls across the street to watch her so in the good. most nondiscreet way possible. He wanted her to know that, like, oh, oh yeah. I'm fucking I'm watching, watching you. you. Yeah. Like, he. You are weird, and <laughs> you're acting weird, and something's up. Uh, the attendant comes up to her and starts helping her get a new car. While speaking with him, she notices the cop across the street. The attendant pulls her car somewhere else and comes back to her. She is looking at one car in particular, but she is in a hurry and agrees to buy it for $700 plus trading in her car. <laughs> the guy, the car dealership. He's also feeling a little weird, too. Yeah, oh, because, for sure. His mannerisms, like, like, how he's acting around her. Yeah, he's like, wow, so this good. is the best haggling I've ever had. Yeah, he, <laughs> brings he, up, he, he was like looking at her like, i kind of gone down. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, you're not going to haggle. Yeah, like, it's like, <laughs> like, usually we have to up the price. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think the, the added dialogue of like, you could prove that's your car, right, is really good. Yes. Good yes. Note. So cool. The script and that, really that made good. it really important where she was going uh, earlier getting her papers for like her pink slip and all that yeah. stuff and making sure she had that because mm-hmm. um, yeah, she, she was prepared she was prepared for something like this she probably knew like I need a getaway car now yeah so fucking cool like it's so thought it's out good writing it's, it's so good thought writing. out good storytelling uh, the attendant starts feeling a bit suspicious and also notices the cop across the street Marion huh. asks to go to the bathroom so she can get a pro- get her proper papers in order she comes back and handles the and. Uh, handles the transaction with uh, the absolute quickness. The cop drives into the lot and gets her uh, gets out of his cruiser. Marion gets into her car and starts to drive off immediately, but another person yells at her to stop because right. she forgot her her uh, luggage, her luggage, <laughs> her luggage and her coat, and her coat. Exactly. Everyone's like, "What is up with this?" Woman? Yeah, they're just like, right. "You're Super tripping." Sus. She stops the car. She forgot her luggage and coat. The gentleman put it in the back seat. All while the cop is still walking towards the car, slow as ever. <laughs> he's yeah. just walking, and and obviously he's doing it because he's just like something's up. But he can't yeah. do anything. But he can't, he can't do, really anything. do anything. Yeah, yeah. he can't. Yeah. He, like he already questioned her. Yeah. Um, she drives off. While driving off, we can hear the voice, uh, the voiceover of the intendant mm-hmm. and the officer talking about Marion on how suspicious she is acting. What I like about so this is good. I feel like we don't. Absolutely no. That's the actual conversation. But I took right. it as this Marianne is in her is, hair. Yeah, in her hair. In her hair. It's in her hair. In her head. Yeah, no, she's totally. imagining how the conversation conversation was going down, and she actually that's de- how I pictured it. Yeah, she yeah. actually develops a little smirk while this is going on. She's like, "Man, like she's like, I'm, she's I'm like, doing I'm this. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and what makes that make sense to me too is the fact that the cop. We, that's the last time we see that cop. Yeah. Yeah. If that cop was really suspicious, he would probably kept continue following her in the Bates Motel situation probably would have could have been stopped mm-hmm. if he would have kept up with his suspicion. Yeah. True. But 
Another video of her boss, Lowry, speaking with uh, Carolyn about uh, Marion being late. Carolyn rats her out and says that she is always late on Mondays. Lowry wants Car- uh, Carolyn to call her sister to see if she can speak with her about Marion. He finally gets 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 on the phone with uh, her sister, but her sister hasn't seen her. While speaking with her, he gets a realization that he saw her driving away and asks for her to come to the office. This, I do believe, is actually really happening. Well, I didn't know that point in what we had just discussed that it's all going through her head and what she's imagining the conversation is like. I think she also knows these people really well. She's worked for the same job for 10 years and... She's imagining she's yeah. all, all Monday. Yeah, right? she's imagining these conversations, and they probably did play out that way at the yeah, exact same time. Realistic, yeah. right? So the outcome would have been both ways. Yeah. Totally. Um, and this totally once again makes total sense of our timeline. I mean, Friday she takes the nap. She leaves Saturday. She takes another nap. Therefore, therefore, uh, it's now Sunday. Now that then we're going into that next day for Monday. Damn. Um, so timeline makes total sense, and. Uh, I'm just flabbergasted that he still kept with the timeline because I had to fact check this dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, hold on. Uh, Lowry get, uh, lets Tom, oh, excuse me. He asked Carolyn to get Tom. Lowry la- lets Tom know that Carolyn took his money and split. Tom is talking all this shit about getting his money back. I put here, <laughs> this scene is beautiful because they're doing all of this while she is driving a close up on her face and we see her smirking yeah, all while the voice are happening. Up. So good. Uh, it is starting to rain viciously and the lights are blinding Mary. Oh, this is the part where it starts raining. I forgot. Oh, great scene. Yeah. Starts raining um, yeah. Uh, viciously and all the lights are blinding Marion while she is driving. Marion finds a motel, Bates Motel, and pulls into the lot beca- uh, because it has vacancies. She gets out of the car and heads into the office. Nobody is around. She walks back outside and sees a huge house on top of a hill with a woman walking through the window. She heads back to the car and starts to honk her horn where they actually had a bell. Yeah, and I was just like, that was kind of rude, but all right. <laughs> it's the 60s, whatever. Uh, Fuck it. Uh, Norman heads heads outside and runs down the stairs to greet his guest. They head inside the office and begin the paperwork for her room. He gives her room one, right next to the office, he says. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Creepy. Oh, so Watching it the good. second time around, I'm like, oh, there's so many things you so just catch the second time. If you don't 100%. mind, I want to take a step back. That rain scene of her driving yeah, was yeah. my favorite scene of the movie. Really? Why? It's so good. The soundtrack? The soundtrack. The yeah. editing oh. and the visuals. Yeah. Of just the rain pouring down. Her like wipers are not really not doing really anything. Doing it, yeah. And you just hear the cars flying by her and you just see lights and I'm like, oh, is she gonna get hit by a car? Incredible. Is she gonna make it to her destination? The sense of like suspense in this scene alone, I was like, This is great filmmaking. Yeah, I was gonna This be- is what I wanted to study like filmmaking for. Like right. this is like the scene where I'm like this is the best way to like. <laughs> it's, so it's so good. It's so subtle and so simplistic. Oh God, but so going back to her face, going back to like the window, seeing that like the sound and the soundtrack and the editing, I was like, cool. You Hitchcock s- is good. Yeah, but- you saying that makes me realize that Hitchcock has suspense from beginning to end. With oh, easily. So yeah. Bad. Soundtrack so really bad. does help. And his editing is really good mm-hmm. so because bad. he makes you not know what's about to happen. And the scene is long enough where it's like, oh, it's prolonging what I think is going to happen, and it doesn't happen. And then right. all of a sudden, she's at the Bates, Bates uh, Hotel. Bates Hotel. So I was like, that's cool. such a good reveal mm-hmm. of where she ended up. I yeah. like it because it also like kind of leaves it up to like fate. Like there's 
a, like a really hard rain coming down, and yeah. you're kind of destined to stop here. Yeah, it's like a perilous to journey. Die. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry, it's literally the start of the perilous journey that she's about to go through. Yeah, seriously, it's like you're 100%. risking your own life right now, and now you end up here. Right. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Room number one. Room number one. Norman grabs her bags and brings it into her room. He comments uh, that that it is stuffy in the room and proceeds to open up a window. He gives her a, uh, a quick tour of the room. He turns on the light of the bathroom but can't quite say what it is. Like he's forbidden to say. Like he's yeah. killed here before. Um, also with that, again, second time watching this, um, the window being open I feel like was planned. It's a way for entry. Because if in case the front door is locked, sure. Because because you think every everything has a purpose that's being played out, right? And Norman says, "Oh, it's stuffy in here. Open the window. Leave it open." Um, I actually think it was for him to do the conversation between himself and his mom, so she can hear it. Oh, that was you know what? Yeah, fair enough. Because I think there is two keys. Yeah, because he he had he had another key. Yeah. But that's, like that's that's yeah. what I think it was for. I think it was for her to hear the conversation, so he can have a reason to come back downstairs, and he can have dinner with her downstairs because he knows she can't go in that house. He oh yeah, because that was the kind of question. I was like, well, I mean, does he like what would he gain from having her hear Miriam hear the conversation between Norman and Norma? But you're right; it does yeah. give a way for him to that's crazy have a meal down there. Yeah. Wow. filmmaking yeah <laughs> so so interesting though i love yeah. it um Miriam says it says it for him she says quote the bathroom um and i even put here i was like this is actually really really cool uh anthony perkins really dived into the character oh mm-hmm. for like, sure. he's so believable lawlessly down just, to the yeah. eye twitches and oh my god he's everything. so yeah. good mannerisms yeah oh my gosh um, Norman invites her to have dinner with him inside his home. She agrees to have dinner with him instead of getting back in, uh, into the rain to drive 10 miles up the road to a diner that he told her about earlier. Mm-hmm. He leaves and lets her uh, he leaves and lets her know that he will be back down when it is ready. Marion is now tr- um, trying to figure out a good place to put her her newfound money. She puts it in the newspaper that she got earlier. Marion hears yelling from the house, and it is Norman's mom yelling uh, that she does not want her coming inside the house to eat dinner. Norman tells her to shut up and walks outside with the food and a tray instead. Marion apologizes for getting Norman in trouble, and instead of eating in the house, he invites Marion to eat inside his office, where it could be warmer. (laughs) Norman takes her into the parlor of the office and sits down the tray so she can eat. Marion notices all of the stuffed birds uh, that are uh, that are around the room and is a little unnerved by it. I thought this was actually a really cool nod back to like the birds. Yeah. Because yeah, I think the birds came out in like 1958. Oh, okay. Or something like that. Probably um, then. But I, I think this was just a really cool nod to that. Um, and I, I like the fact of how like Norman was just like, I don't like killing other animals. I only like to kill birds or whatever. Or like I only like to stuff, stuff birds. He doesn't birds. like to yeah. stuff because right. they look scary. They look scary. But birds just look like birds. Yeah. Fucking weirdo. Norman sits down in a chair and watches her eat. He tells her that, that she eats like a bird. <laughs> he also shares his weird hobby about taxidermy and stuffing birds. Yeah, something to say. I think this is an introduction of like the showing insanity. the audience yeah, that yeah. like this this guy's off. Um, 
because he follows up like, you eat like a bird. And then he goes off on a tangent like, a lot of people think that birds don't eat a lot because they Correct. pick up their food, but they actually do eat a lot. And yeah. And he then knows all these like random weird random facts. facts. Yeah. It shows that his he's socially awkward. And but then, very intellectual at the same time. Yeah. Like, right. He knows what he's talking about. And you right. can see on her expression on her face that she's like, she's like she realizes it as well. So yeah, she was getting like, kind of oh, hints okay. of it, but she's like, all right. This kid's a little off. Yeah. yeah. But she knew that, one, she was giving them a fake name, right? She wrote down a fake name inside of the ledger. Yeah, which he was, like, smiling about, too, which yeah. is really weird. And like, he, oh. It's like he knew it was a fake name. Yeah. Well, because she actually, Nor- Norman actually asked for her name, and she gives Address her, real, her name, real name, Crane. Yeah. And then he follows up by looking at the registry book yeah. and Afterwards. notices, yeah. like, it's she wrote down a fake name, yeah. so... One of them don't match up, and right. that's why he kind of laughs. But I also think he does that little smirk because he realizes it's going to be easy to get away with. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because she's, she's obviously running away from something. Yeah. Yeah. Or he just thinks it's funny because, spoiler, Norman is not the one that kills her. Norma does. Technically, right. yes. So maybe Norma's <laughs> not planning this, but Norma is. Right. Technically, Yes. Because um, one of the one of the main facts about someone who's crazy is they don't know that they're crazy. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So that's just an interesting fact. But Norman starts to ask her some personal questions: uh, where she is going and what is she running away from? So she knows that she he, she is a runaway of some kind. Uh, the uh, and I put here this conversation actually works really well and brings up how creepy and unsettling Norman actually is and how dangerous he actually is. Yeah, he. Uh... He does taxidermy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he, obviously, he's fine with dead things, and he's fine with blood. Oh, yeah. And, and he's good with a knife. And, and yeah. again, he talks about so many, like, intellectual facts. It's like, oh, it's actually not that expensive. It's this and that. And just right. the chemicals are the expensive part. It's like, you're a creepy dude, man. Like, exactly. Like, he, he knows you know your what shit. he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's very meticulous, and he's very... Um, he, he He's very nonchalant yes about it very well spoken yeah. about it 100 percent. he has very, a lot of charm very creepy a lot of charm even though he's creepy, in a creepy way he has yeah. charm yeah. right very like charismatic for yeah. sure and 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 it she knows that like even though he seems a little off she also knows that he uh he's kind of easy to flirt with because mm-hmm. yeah, she yeah. knows he he's took a liking to her very quickly yeah very so easy. makes it easier and he seems boyish very boyish. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Norman goes into detail about him and his mother's relationship. He's uh, her being a single parent and raising him all alone. Marion Marion is asking him why he just doesn't leave her. And uh, Norman, very monotonely, doesn't even look at her, says this. Um, but he says, Norman, or he says, I can't leave her. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but he says, but I hate what she's become. Yeah, she's sick. I, I I don't hate her. I hate her sickness. Yeah. Something like that. And her sickness being the fact that... Well, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. That Norman is her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, was, I don't know if you're about to say it. Maybe. I love I his like monologue about like saying, <clears throat> like, oh, you should take her someplace. Yeah. Someplace. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Like, that's where you bring someone crazy. And he goes off on a tangent about love it. And I was like... This guy is really good at acting. So I'm like, good. I'm reading all this shit up. Like, so you're a fucking, fucking creep. You're going to fucking kill this bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Damn, like, shit. that whole entire, like, little speech so that he says about, like, a madhouse. Uh, madhouse. Yeah, the yeah. monologue shows. I was shows, like, holy yeah, that's next. shit. The monologue shows that, that he's, he's maybe there. 
been to a madhouse before and he doesn't like the experience and that uh, it's not right and uh, not well, just there. If you guys seen just, Bates Motel, he has. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I can't definitely watch they, it. They dive in pretty this, deep on that. There's a lot really of things made that made me want to watch the show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't match up within Bates Motel and Psycho. They kind of like retcon some things, of course. Um, yeah, but yeah, Damn. so That's yeah. Nice. Now, because like the brother, for a perfect example. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of yeah, things that, that yeah. when I was watching there's it, there's like a bunch of things that don't really make too I much was sense. Like, that doesn't yeah. make sense because yeah. Now, here's the thing that I was gonna say. I feel like he says that that he hates what she becomes, but I deep down inside think he's actually talking about himself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Fair. Like, like, I feel like he he knows that he's sick, and him being inside of a madhouse, quote unquote, that that's like one of those aspects of his life where he's just like, no, I can't revisit that. Yeah. Like yeah. he knows his mom is dead, but he now has a split personality disorder. Or does he? He does. Because later on, he has a whole scene without anyone listening to him. Like exactly. Having a conversation. Right. But I in, his, in his head. Yeah. I think he truly believes she's alive. But I think he, she's, he believes she's alive inside of him. You think so? But he yeah. carries the oh, body. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it, I guess that's the whole point. It's up to interpretation, right? That's right. true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Marion is, is making a suggestion to put his mother into some place. Norman interrupts her by calling it a madhouse. Marion apologizes and explains that she meant well. Norman is on the verge and explains that his mother is not a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. But don't we all go mad sometimes? <laughs> Marion is definitely feeling uncomfortable with this conversation. She stands up and lets Norman know that she is going to go to bed now. He tries to convince her to stay a bit longer, but she insists that she is too tired. Hired. He creepily watches her walk away and then picks up the uh, the sign-in sheet looking at the fake name that Marion gave him when she told him her last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things don't match up? Nope. Norman goes back into the parlor to listen to Marion on the other side of the wall. He pulls down a picture to watch her undress. Pause. I don't know if you two noticed, but the photo or the picture that he brings down is of... Seems Renaissance era, maybe something yeah. close to it, but it's of a man grabbing a, grabbing naked, a woman. naked woman. Yeah, yeah, it's a good touch. So good. Yeah. Um, so good. But following up with the peep scene, like we get a really uh, extreme close up of um, Norman's eye. Oh yeah, it looks fantastic, wow. man. What, what a crazy. shot! Yeah, what a shot. Gorgeous. I, all I was thinking about like was actually like filming that shot when yeah. I was yeah. watching it. It's like eyes is the window to the soul, yeah. and the she's lighting like, looking through. Too. That's what I wrote. Yeah. I said, uh, during the scene, I was like, shadows and lighting are fantastic. Yeah. I was like, so damn, it's so fucking great. Because it's like a little bit of light on his face coming through the room of hers. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's fucking gorgeous to look at. Because he needs it's to so be. So aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, because he needs to be in the dark so light doesn't shine through on the exactly. hole on her side. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, man, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Guy in the shadows. Ugh. Yeah. It, this This is definitely like the precursor of of slashers yeah. right like we we yeah. are starting to know like okay the stranger that calls and all this whole other stuff like this is initially what you're getting as a slasher film mm-hmm. to where you are seeing the respect that other people have given it like for example of uh, and we'll we'll get to this where with Janet Lee but uh with Janet Lee actually dying and she's starting off as our protagonist and we switch to another protagonist like fantastic actually we don't even really switch to another protagonist we kind of just have multiple protagonists at Mm -hmm. that point which is 
beautiful, but we've seen this We're just done like watching before. The aftermath. That's exactly. Yeah. And we've seen this done before recently in 1996 with Wes Craven's Scream. Mm-hmm. This is the same exact concept. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. But anyway, Norman heads back to uh, back up to the house. He is about to go upstairs, but walks into the kitchen instead and just sits down. We cut back to Marion doing some math on how much money she has left. Mm-hmm. She rips the sheet of paper and throws it in the toilet, but doesn't flush it. She begins to start. Oh, no, she does flush it. She does. She does flush it. One one paper was, was left. Right. Um, she begins to start taking a shower. And I put it here. Here we fucking go. <laughs> Someone opens the door inside of the bathroom and starts to walk in. This woman pulls the curtain back and starts to stab her repeatedly. And I put here the fantastic iconic score that we all know and love. <laughs> and even if you've never seen this movie. I was going to say you've that. Heard yeah. You've heard this before. So fucking good. So brutal. Oh, my God. It's, it's reminds me a lot of how... Steven Spielberg wanted to do something this iconic, so he chose yeah. Jaws. Yes. And, like, that's why they're very similar with the doom, doom. It's just so memorable. And then the ending of this stab scene. Yeah. Like, it's uh, initially it's that same thing, just slow, slowed down and chopped. Yeah. Like, it's oh, so fucking genius. Like, I love when they just take shit and, like, create it to their own it's fantastic it's really good along so with the sound good. in this scene so the camera work is really good oh it's beautiful yes. you're getting shots beautiful. from like coming cuts from, from everywhere yeah oh, my God. the shower head the curtains <laughs> the woman yeah her this is a perfect example knife. of the storyboarding again Dude. yeah i wonder how many shots actually now that i just like the storyboard's like available that, you is it really yeah you guys Dude. can find it for sure and it, i want to say it was like maybe 36 how did they shoot that scene there was like five different edits of different things going on at once He's a fuck genius. I don't know, man. You just cut it up with some scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's imagine nuts. this for 1960, right? Like, mm-hmm. at this time, like, I mean, we've come a long way with being comfortable with. Keep talking about this scene. I have to do something really fast that I just remembered. Keep talking about this scene. Go okay. for it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Think about 1960, right? Uh, I mean, we've come a long way when it comes to being comfortable with uh, nudity, like with as That's a true. society. Like, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are people that are just so comfortable being naked now, and they don't care if anyone sees them naked, right? I don't. But it. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy, uh, for uh, 1960, imagine the audience viewer, right? Like yeah. going back to uh, Norman looking through the people and seeing her undress. I'm sure for many women um, as a movie viewer, like they feel felt uncomfortable as well in their stomach. Oh, yeah, sure. the idea of someone watching them undress that's so so and the vulnerability of being in the shower exactly. alone, thinking no one's going to come in. Because at this era, I mean, we're getting less traditional transitioning from the 50s to the 60s and 60s became a lot more loose and then you go into the 70s right but um i'm sure a lot of people that were watching this just felt scared about the idea of someone a man watching a woman undress and unknowingly we see that normally in movies yeah it's like oh there's that creepy guy peeping tom yep but for that era that was probably one of the first times someone's seen someone do that yeah but at the same time we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. 
We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks, Prince. Prince just gave me yeah, a cookie. 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 Cookies. Uh, at the same time, though, you look at the men viewing this movie, right? And a man yeah. thinking, oh, man, I'm watching this attractive woman undress and be in the shower. Yeah. That's pretty Steamy. hot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's such a good balance. It's scary for the women because of the vulnerability or the unknowingness of, like, someone watching them undress when that's not something that's normal. And for the men, it's it's not normal to see – to be able to see another woman, a very attractive movie star at that, right. undress and get in a shower. And there's oh, yeah. and that shower scene of her, like – you know, bathing herself is very yeah. long and sensual, and the angles. The stabbing sequence was 100%. long. Too. Yeah, and the and the Damn. there's a lot of cuts within the stabbing scene that occurs, Sorry. and I'm sure that a lot of viewers were like, "What could I see? I'm seeing waist, I'm seeing chest, I'm right. seeing high angles. Like, what can I peep at? Even though this this woman's being That's stabbed, true. like you kind of think about like it's still sort of sensual. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, man, am I just as crazy as Norman at this point? Because I'm someone's being murdered, but I'm trying to get a peep of a titty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's interesting it's true, because though. things That's crazy, yeah. yeah, things in like um back in the '60s, like things that we find sexy now yeah. weren't weren't really considered that back in the 60s right yeah. like it was a lot of so- uh, shoulders and waist and exactly. like it like Legs. if you were yeah straight curvy. like a board you're like you're you're hot kind of thing but if you're curvy you're you're considered fat right yeah. like it's just things like that um marion slowly falls into the shower and reaches to grab the shower curtain to pull herself up but she falls over the edge of the tub instead and dies we slowly spiral out of the uh out of the camera um, we slowly spiral the camera out on her eye, and then eventually we see the look of, on her face. Yeah. So I love this. Dead. A lot. <laughs> so dead. With young Real dead. film. Lifeless. <laughs> with young film, you see this a lot, transition between um, photography and film. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't confirmed this, but I feel like it's pretty obvious that the it starts off with a extreme close-up of her eyeball, right? Yes. And that's a photograph. It zooms out and it transitions from from that photograph to um, film. Film where mm-hmm. she's lying there, and it's done so smoothly. Like Fantastic. you can't really tell that it's a photograph. It just looks like a really high quality um, portion of film right? yeah. that zooms out the whole time. It's genius. It's crazy. Yeah. It's genius. You do see her breathing a little bit. You see her. You, you see her eye yeah. blink too. You see her neck. Yeah, you see her yeah. breathing. And maybe she's still dying. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, I actually told myself. <laughs> I gotta that. say because when she grabs it the it curtain, doesn't take you out of it. She puts a good grip on that curtain. Yeah, like, when she falls, she get out. Really I was like, holy shit, does she survive for a little while? Because I, this is my first time watching it. I was like, maybe she doesn't die right away. Yeah. I thought she was going to go did. on. And I, yeah, and you know bit. what? Like, I, I told myself, too, like, she's probably still dying, right? But, like, or maybe her sure. body's reacting. But I'm sure for back then and for most now, they don't notice that. Like you said, Prince, it doesn't take yeah. you out of it. No. It's just funny to point out for people that can't yeah. point it out. Exactly. I like yeah. seeing I little things it. like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I just like yeah, catching the It doesn't take hundreds. you out of it. Uh, That's why I defended it so quick. I was like, maybe she's still dying, all right, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the type of person, though, that would all be right? like, I'd be mean, the type of person to be like, um, from a transition or from a scene to scene, I'd be like, oh, a strand of her hair is behind her ear. <laughs> like, sure. I caught no, that. Yeah, yeah. You can't get that past me. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, no, you're totally, I totally understand. We pan out and we hear Norman screaming, mother, oh God, blood. <laughs> I assume this is where he probably saw himself in the mirror. We don't see this. We, we're outside of the house, but I assume he saw himself in the mirror and then he 
switch back to Norman. Mm. Um, fucking love this stuff. Uh, he runs down the steps of his home and runs to Marion's room. He's changed already. So he changed. Yeah. So uh, Norman sees her dead body in the bathroom and is shocked by the sight. He puts his hand over his mouth. He turns off the lights in the room and the office. He grabs a bucket and a mop to begin cleaning up the mess. Norman pulls the curtain out of the bathroom to place it outside the uh, bathroom door. He pulls Marion and slides her onto the curtain. He has blood on his hands and goes to wash it off. Norman turns on the bathtub water and starts to clean up the carnage that is in and around the tub. It's a good mop. What's the For mop? real. That's a yeah, good that's mop. That's a good mop. Cleaned up blood real quick. Yeah. He then takes his howl and starts to clean the tile floor in the bathroom, throws the contents in the bucket, and then starts to he- uh, head to Marion's car to the ba- to, and starts to back it in. He opens the trunk, then goes back inside the room to grab her body and place it in the trunk of the car. Norman goes back into the room. He picks up the key off the ground and takes her clothes outside of the, of the closet, putting all of her stuff back into her luggage. We get one last shot of the newspaper... That Norman seemed to have missed, but he goes back to grab it. Mm. He steps outside the house, um, and and a car is passing by. He drops literally everything. He drops the <laughs> luggage, the bucket, and everything. He's just, <laughs> just standing there. I was like, this is great. <laughs> and I was like, definitely not suspicious here. <laughs> he goes back to close the door in, uh, to the room and notices the paper on the nightstand. Norman grabs it, but doesn't realize that it's ra- what's wrapped inside of it and throws it in the back of the trunk with Marion and her luggage. The money. It's the right. money, bruh. I really like the sequence. Because this. you really see his mental state from going from like, oh my God, she's dead, to like, I know what to do next. 100%. Because he's very good at what he does. He doesn't miss anything. It seems like, and you'll see this in Bates Motel, Freddie, if you watch, he covers up for his mom a lot. 100%. And he covers up, he's covered up for his mom before. So he He is shocked. shocked, But then he's like, I know what to do. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. already on it. He's shocked at what his mom did. And he realizes that he needs to protect her. Right. Yeah. So he does what he can and he gets rid of the evidence. He cleans up the mess. And it's it's funny because, like, it's the money, right? This whole thing started with the mm-hmm. money. And Hitchcock makes it in a way that, like, no, it's just being tossed out. Yep. It's not it's about not, the money. It's no anymore. longer about the money. Yeah. Fucking love yeah. this shit. Uh, he gets into the car and starts to drive it into a swamp. He rolls it out um, off the edge and to let it sink. He stays and nervously watches to make sure it sinks all the way down, but it doesn't right away. He lets out a small a smile of victory when it starts to sink even further. Yeah, this is such th- a good uh, suspense again. Yeah, yeah. This is such Fantastic. a dumb thing for me to say, but I'm like, there ain't no swaps in Bakersfield. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he made a swamp. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's funny yeah. to think he about. He turned into Shrek. Yeah. So. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, when, when I first watched it, I was like, is that a swamp? Like, But clearly it's a it swamp. Is. It's like quicksand or something. For some reason, some because shit. it was like black and white, I was like, oh, is this like a tar pit for some reason? Right, yeah, because yeah. it, it looked like, dirty. Yeah. And it was nasty. Like, yeah. I mean, I really, I remember when I first watched it, I was thinking like, oh, fuck, the car's not going to go down. But this is, yeah, this is another sequence where it's so long Yes. And it creates that suspense again, and then it stops, and he like looks so at it, good. and then it starts sinking again. I'm like, yeah. God damn it, Alfred Hitchcock, you're hella good at what you do. Yeah, yeah, dude, this makes me good. sad every time I see it. I feel like I always like want Miriam to pull it through. I get sad that she dies. I don't know why. Maybe She's not she a good person. She mm-hmm. steals money. Yeah, she 
she's she, she's but, having an affair okay, with a married man. We didn't man. talk about that. She was about to go back and fix everything. Right. She decided to. Yeah. Like, she decided to. Just gonna go back. And that's the sucky part about it too. It's yeah. like yep. her redemption story was never complete. Yeah. Because I I always feel that way too. I, I always think about moments of like ah oh, it was so there was, it was so close like could have changed everything could have turned something around but you missed your shot. Psych. Wrong number. Yeah. Exactly. We cut to Sam writing a letter. Pan out to a woman reading the uh, back of in, this insect killer to a store clerk named Bob, uh, and he doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, "What? Are you gonna buy it or not? Like, yeah. what are you talking yeah. to me for about this dumb shit?" Uh, Marion's sister Lila um, is seen outside, coming into the store, asking for Sam immediately. Lila is asking Sam if he's seen Marion. She explains that she has not heard from her and can't seem to find her. While talking about Marion, a private detective walks in, also wondering about her whereabouts. This is Detective Arbogast, <laughs> and he joins in on the conversation about Marion. Sam asks him what is his business with Marion. Arbogast lets him know that she stole $40,000, and he is uh, working to get it back. Lila shares that she was supposed to deposit it for her boss on Friday, but she never did. After their conversation on catching up, catching Sam up, we cut to Arbogast going from people to people looking for Marion. We then cut to Norman uh, sitting outside the office up to the Bates Motel. Arbogast stops in front and starts speaking with Norman. Small talk with Norman at first about a room. He starts letting him know that uh, he is looking for Marion a little bit later. He pulls out a photo for Norman to take a look at, um, but he said that nobody has come here in a couple of weeks. Arbogast insisted. Can you just take a look at the photo? He doesn't even look at it. He doesn't look at it at first. He definitely doesn't. Now, this whole back and forth that they have mm-hmm. so good yeah it is it's fantastic it's Arbogast just trying to catch him in a lie right because you see how good of a detective he really is yeah. and then you see how like Norman is like breaking down a little bit 100% like he was so piece. good at what he did 100%. and now he's like damn yeah. this guy's matching up to me and I can't it defend was, myself it felt like a moment where Arbogast kind of knew like like okay this is now turning into something a little bit more malicious with this guy lying to me because he knew yeah. he was lying right off the bat he's chipping away at the little piece of mental armor he has 100 oh yeah i think um police do this nowadays that they they keep asking questions and they try to cast you in a lie even if they have no idea you could be lying like they'll call your bluff even though they and they may seem like they actually know that you're bluffing but they yeah, really but they, don't yeah deep down they don't they know just what, really want to see if you crack like right. can you crack even though yeah. i have no idea that you're guilty of anything. It's a tactic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tactic. It's a damn good one. Yeah. Norman shakes his head about the woman in the photo. Norman reaches over to turn on the signage for the motel. Um, he spills the beans that a, uh, that a couple came in last week. Avergas pushes further to ask him to see his books because he uh, noticed. He was like, oh, that's strange. I thought you said no one's been here for a couple of weeks. Um, he finds the name that he's looking for and sees that she had an alias that she used. I forgot what it said. Um, but Arbogast pushes further and asks about the night she came into the motel. He wants to take a look around the, the, well, he wants to take a look around into the room that she stayed in. Norman cracks a joke about him helping out with changing the sheets. And Arbogast is like, nah, this shit ain't funny. So I <laughs> just fucking let's go. Arbogast turns the other direction towards the large house. He looks back at Norman and notices that he goes to room one, but then skips it and goes to the next door instead. In the window of the house, he can see a woman standing in front of the window. 
It's fucking creepy because we right. now know like what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Norman comes back to the detective and asks him if he ch- if he ch- uh, changed his mind. Abergas asks if someone is home. He first denies, but then tells him that his mother has a condition that is practic is practically like living alone. Abergas asks Norman if Marion is hiding around or and if he is lying uh, for her. He presses to speak with Norman's mother, but Norman says that she, uh, he no longer wants to speak with him about this. Arbogast leaves and heads to, uh, to a payphone. He calls Lila to let her know that Marion was at the Bates Motel. He's letting her know uh, how his conversation with Norman went. Arbogast says that he will go back into the motel to check things out further. Now, once again, this is what makes me think that Norman knows that his mom is dead. It's because he still doesn't want people to go in that house. Mm, very good point. That's true. Like, Norman knows he did a bad thing. He knows that he... Because he can come in and out of his psychosis, right? Of him thinking that his he has this split personality with his mom and all this whole other stuff. Um, but it still is just a fantastic, like, dynamic yeah. about his character. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because he, uh. he knows, like... You can't come to this house because if he didn't think she was dead, he would let anybody in there. Yeah, and he would he'd be like he would act all normal about it. Right, too. Like, that's true. This is my mother. Sure, you can talk. Yeah, to her. you could talk to her. Yeah. yeah, like she's not gonna know. That's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. that reinforces the unless the he thinks too. that his mother killed her, and not him. So he's Maybe. like, no, don't talk to my oh, mother. Freddie, huh. you're yeah. up a good point too. Mom. Yeah. It's like Maybe. if you question my mom, she's gonna get in trouble. Oh damn, Freddie! Maybe just saying, you know. Yeah. No, that's 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 definitely a good point, but it still doesn't change the fact that he didn't want her to go up there yeah. either. Maybe because Norman she knows that knows, she's jealous. Yeah, that she gets jealous her. and would kill her. Maybe. Damn. Maybe. See this Hitchcock. Opens up discussions. It's a good. It's a good <laughs> thought. It's definitely a good thought. We cut to Norman walking into the in walking to one room. Um, further down, Abergas pulls pulls up and starts heading towards the office. He walks uh, to call no, uh, Norman inside his parlor. No response. So he walks into the uh, parlor and notices the birds and the and a safe that is open. He starts heading uh, uh, up towards the house. Um, and I put this is a ballsy ass police uh, <laughs> uh, private detective. Um, now, the the safe made it super interesting, mainly because that took it right back to the money for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, what's the cause? Why would why would she go missing? Of course, it's because she has a lot of money, and then someone found out, and someone killed her and hit her to keep the money. Right. Abergas looks around and heads into the, heads inside the house. He starts going up the stairs, um, and and. Wait, hold on. I, I wrote this wrong. I wrote this kind of late. He goes up. It goes. Uh, he's going up the. It, the stairs and the door in the corner slowly begins to open. Um, it is mother, quote unquote, from before, and she gives him a slash on his face. Yeah, fantastic. It's, it's a crazy scene. Good cut, good effect. Um, I love the falling down the stairs. Yeah, I love how <laughs> cheesy so funny. it is. He's like, <laughs> like, like, he like follows him man. down though. I love like, it. It's a great. It's so shot. cool. Good for the time though. Yeah, oh, really the good. Slash on the face, like because you you picture it as. A stabbing motion coming up from down, probably to the chest, but it's uh, going through the, the face first. Down. So cool. Right? Face, yeah. yeah. So cool. Uh, we get that awesome music again. While the slashing is happening, Abergas is falling down the stairs. Mother comes down the stairs behind him. And I love this because it's like immediate. So it was like the, the shock on his face didn't feel like it was from the slash. I pictured it as we were running down with him, too. Yeah. yeah, to meet him down the stairs because, like, immediately, 
Mother's right on top of him, and she starts fucking stabbing the shit out of him. Do you think he's? <laughs> do you think he has that shocked in, in expression? Not only because he was stabbed, but he sees it's Norman. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, for totally. Sure. Like he's like, it was you. It was you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are back with Sam and Lila inside Sam's store, uh, waiting. Lila is getting impatient and wants to start uh, getting a move on. She is letting Sam know that Abrakas said that he will contact them in an hour or less. But Sam lets her know it's been three hours that passed. She is about to leave, but Sam volunteers to go instead. Sam is at the Bates Motel looking for Abagas, yelling his name. Norman is watching yet another sinking car behind the uh, Bates Motel when he also hears Sam screaming for the detective. We cut back to Lila and Sam go and Sam coming back to the store, letting her know that uh, he was not able to find Abergas at the motel. He spoke to a sick old woman behind the door of the house, though. Mm-hmm. So cool. This is where it also makes me think, too, um, that the fact that, like, Norman heard it. Yeah. And he switches yeah. To, mo- yeah. to mother again. And the fact that like that happens, like, like it it's makes like me- a survival trait. Exactly. That's yeah. just about to say that it's like, he like, it's like, okay, he hears it, but it's the selective hearing. Yeah. So the split personality is what's actually hearing it. Yeah. Um, and this is where I think a lot of like the characteristics of, um, Oh God, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played in split. Oh, I see. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. He was also Xavier in X-Men. Yeah. Uh, young Xavier, I should say. James McAvoy. James McAvoy. James McAvoy took a lot of cues from this, of the back and forth and all this whole other stuff, and it's so fucking cool. And that's what makes that split like really, really interesting. I actually don't like that movie at all. But <laughs> really? I like it. I, I actually hate that movie. Uh, but I love James McAvoy's performance in that movie. That's the only thing. But it, it gave me a lot of those parallels of Psycho, his character did. Yeah. They are now going to uh, going up the chain to speak with the sheriff about all of this. We cut to Sheriff Chambers walking down the stairs in his robe to meet Lila and Sam downstairs. And by the way, this is the sheriff that is in Bakersfield, I assume, like in that town. Um, because, yeah, because yeah, they, they, why would on. you talk to the sheriff in Arizona? A fun movie fact. Movie fact. The uh, sheriff, the older gentleman, is the father from Shadow of a Doubt. Show is. Yep. So fucking cool. He loved using a lot of the same actors, which was great. Sam is explaining the situation and mentions the Bates Motel, but he said that he uh, did not speak with Norman. He spoke with his mother. Mrs. Chambers looks at her husband with a strange look when Sam says this um, uh, and says that he spoke uh, when he says that he spoke with Norman's mother. Mrs. Chambers tells the sheriff to give Norman a call. Uh, Lila persists, and the sheriff and sheriff Chambers calls him. Norma picks up, Norman picks up the phone, um, and Chambers asks him about Abergas stopping by there. Chambers tells Lila and Sam that Abergas came by and left. Lila is confused by this and lets the sheriff know that he he was going to go back and speak with Norman's mother. Chambers shares uh, some chilling information with her. Norman's mom has been dead for over 10 years. This is where the joke comes from, by the way. Well, I've been, uh, there hasn't been a Starbucks coffee since <laughs> for here since 10 years. <laughs> but it's a twist, though. It's a twist. This, is where, yeah. this the, is where everything fucking is where you know he's legit bonkers. Yeah. Because there is nothing that, um, 
I mean, at this point, there's nothing that implies that you know that uh, no. Norma isn't. Because he really uses an there. actual woman's voice. Yeah. yeah. First and foremost. Like, that's like a real really woman actually talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the scene with the private detective dying, you don't see. Uh, right. You don't see the face. You see no. the body in the you silhouette. You see the body. Yeah. And even later down the line, where, it, and this is the fucking coolest part to me, where it's kind of ventriloquisty when he's like bringing his mom down the stairs. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll get to that, but yeah, so like, we'll get to that a little bit twist. more. Yeah, really cool twist. And I know, like, during this scene, they're still insinuating. It's like, well, who's that woman then? They still don't suspect it's him. Freddie, this was your first time. What did you think when you when they said well, she's been dead for ten years? Well, I knew he, the ending. He knows. Oh, yeah, okay. he knows because of pop culture. Yeah, uh, pop culture is. ruined this fucking movie yeah, for yeah, everybody. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing. I only knew it because, because I've seen like it? even like best scenes in movies and stuff yeah. like that. They showed him at the like police station, and they showed like him turn into like a skull and shit. For some reason, I thought I knew so cool. because of yeah. Bates Motel, but then I realized I didn't even finish Bates Motel, so I didn't know. But when I was watching it, I somehow knew. But I don't mm. think it was spoiled to me. But maybe it was because I don't know. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Because like I, I knew that because it, it it sucks. It sucks that like. Most people know the ending, yeah. like of I him, like coming out this and it's for the first mom. time. Yeah. It and like whoa. Yeah, I asked my mom about it because yeah. she was born in 1956, yeah. okay. and she remembers seeing it when she was about 15, 16. Yeah. Um, and it was like, uh, like she went. Uh, they like were re-showing it at at some theater. This is back when they would always replay movies, yeah. but she remembers seeing it, and she was just like, yeah, she was like, I remember seeing him turn into the woman, and I, it freaked me the fuck out. Like, it was crazy. Like, yeah, and I was like, this is, it's nuts. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's so cool. Crazy to think of, because, like, nowadays it's pretty tame, right? Sure. But back then, it was like, this is fucking yeah, intense. And it's yeah. really good. It's like, like hiding it. It's like that question, what movie would you want to go back in time to be a uh, be at the premiere for? Oh, that's a good question. Like, it's such yeah. a cool question. I I would say The Exorcist, but oh, that's just me personally. Good answer. <laughs> good fellows. <laughs> That's a good one. Hell yeah. Yeah. Seeing that for the first time. Yeah. I would say The Exorcist uh, mainly because of the fact that, uh, dude, people just fucking like ran out of the movies. People would throw up in the movie theater and yeah. everything. And oh, just, like, that's a really good what answer. What a fucking, like, what an experience. Dude, that's <laughs> that's how it felt with uh, Paranormal Activity for me. Yeah. I remember thinking that like, because I literally had thought that movie was an actual, like, Real documentary, yeah, documentary. yeah. Damn and good, a lot of people thought one. that too. Blair Witch too would be a crazy. Oh, one yeah, to watch. that would be a nuts one. Yeah. Anyway, Mrs. Yes. Bates poisoned <laughs> her boyfriend and then killed herself with the same poison. Uh, they were just letting telling them that like this was a murder suicide. Uh, Sam says Sam says that he saw a woman in the window, and Lila says that Abregas saw her too. We end the conversation with Chambers saying uh, some lame shit about, quote, if that woman is Mrs. Bates, who is the woman buried in the cemetery? End quote. We dissolve back to uh, to Norman leaving the office and running back up the stairs to the house. He He walks upstairs and starts arguing with his, quote unquote, mother. The camera pans above the stairs. Um, it slowly goes up the stairs first, then it goes all the way to the top of the ceiling, and it starts twirling around, so yeah. we see both her room and we see the stairs. So fucking cool. Um, but uh, it... it uh, do, 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 where am I? <laughs> I that camera movement that was tight. It's so cool. It's such it's a so tease. Cool. It's like, let me show you a little bit, but I'm not going to show you the whole oh, thing. So cool. This is where we start hearing Norman and Norma have yes. a conversation, right? Yeah. So the camera pans above the stairs and and the room and Norman and 
the room and Norman is carrying his mother, Norma, down the stairs while talking to her. Well, arguing with yeah, her. to go to the cellar. To go to the cellar. It's like, I've been there before. Yeah. Now, this is so cool. I agree. So cool. Um, and mainly because of the fact that with this kind of back and forth, back and forth, like, I, I don't want to say it's in his head because I would love to think of it as ventriloquism. And just the fact that, like, you hear him talking and her talking kind of at the same time. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, because I, I take it as he's literally pacing around the room, yeah. talking to the body. That's what I'm and, saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel, I, I like, I don't want to believe that it's in his head. Like, oh, I, I yeah, believe yeah. that he's physically talking. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah even yeah. though you don't see his mouth moving, but that's because VO work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but well, still. What I love about the follow up with this shot is viewers are probably wondering. Wait, then who's the lady? Exactly. And it follows up Such with... Such a cool mystery. Yeah. It follows up with Norman carrying Norma down the stairs and with the camera work um, so cool. being at a high angle, you just see you just them. just see them. And yeah. it looks like he's carrying an elderly woman down the stairs and... No, let me go. Yeah. And you don't see <laughs> oh, their so faces, good. so you're able to like continue on with the conversation and listening to it. But then so cool. you question, like, wait, who is this? The mom isn't dead. Yeah. 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 No, it's, a, it's really, really cool. Yeah. We cut to Chambers and his wife coming in, coming out of church and met with uh, Lila and Sam. They are wondering if he was ready to go to the motel, but he was already there. So he told them that he went already. He went before church. Chambers tells them uh, to make a missing persons report and to drop the rest of this nonsense. Lila is not uh, satisfied by this answer and tells Sam that she wants to head to the, ba- to the Bates Motel herself. They arrive at the motel and Norman is looking outside the window down at them he looks a little surprised when he sees lila because she looks very similar to marion i was gonna bring that yeah. up earlier she really really does she does sam finesses the shit out of this room stuff with norman asking <laughs> for uh re- re- uh receipts and all of that good stuff lila goes to check if room one is unlocked and it is he never locked the room uh norman sets the uh sets them up in room 10 because he still probably needs to finish it up, right? Mm. Um, And Lila and Sam head to the room and start talking about about something happening to Abergast while he was there. Sam agrees to help Lila go investigate room one. Sam checks to see if Norman is around the office, but he is he is not inside. They head into the into the room and start looking around the room for clues. They go into the bathroom, and this is where Lila finds a piece of paper uh, that was ripped up earlier by Marion. Lila wants to go into the house to speak to Mrs. Bates now. They leave the room. Sam heads towards the office to distract Norman. Lila heads up the hill towards the house. She heads inside the house and starts looking around a bit before closing the door. We cut back to Sam and Norman. Sam is making small talk with Norman about uh, being here all alone. We jump back to Lila heading upstairs and opening up Mother's room. Lila is looking around for more clues. She is startled by her reflection casting in multiple mirrors, however. So, so fascinating. Such Such a a fascinating scene. scene. She notices that uh, there is an impression on the bed, though. It's bad. (laughs) It's a badass impression. Like someone's like someone's lying lying there there for for years. years. (laughs) Yeah. We cut to Sam um, offending Norman a bit at this point. And I was like, God damn it, Sam. Fuck this all up. He's being too pushy. (laughs) He's being way too pushy. It's getting personal at this point. Exactly. 
But I, I get it. Like, it's his girlfriend, and he's like... She's presumably he, dead. Yeah, and yeah. He's just like, what the fuck did you do with my girl? Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Sam offending Norman a bit. Back to Leela right after this, and uh, she now heads inside of the of a little boy's room. Mm-hmm. So creepily well done. Yeah. Weirded out by the sight of this, she looks around a bit more. Sam is talking to Norman, who is very agitated with him. Sam is pressing him about the money. Norman realizes that Lila is not around. They wrestle a little bit before Norman hits him in the head with a canister. Norman is racing up the hill uh, to get back to the house. Lila sees him coming through the window and hides on the stairs below. Norman goes upstairs first. Instead of her leaving, she notices that there's a basement door below her. She sees a woman sitting in the chair when she goes inside. She slightly turns her around and is the skeleton of Norma Bates. The grand reveal. So fucking cool. Lila lets out a shriek and smacks the light for a dramatic flare. (laughs) (laughs) We get that iconic music yet, yet again. And Norman comes running in dressed like his mother, holding a knife, laughing. Say, I have chills right now. I'm Norma Bates, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. Oh, my God. Uh, Sam comes up behind him and starts wrestling with the knife from his hand. We get uh, this fun cut of where the wig comes off, and then it shows Mrs. Bates' corpse, and then it's just, like, going back and forth. And it's just like, holy shit, this is her yeah. hair. This She's right there. She's dead. And Norman's <laughs> like... Dead. And the light is uh, <laughs> swinging left and right, adding yeah, such yeah. a good dramatic such effect. Such a cool effect. Yeah. Um, uh, and I love this, like this whole little kind of scene here, mainly because of the fact that when this is all happening, you see Norman's face, yeah, yeah. and he's like, kind of has like this, this like very dramatic look on his face. But I feel yeah. like that's a battle between Norma and Norman, yeah, at that moment. Like it, it seems yeah, so fucking cool that like it's just, I don't know, like it, it's just it's such an interesting take on it. As we follow up with the next scene, it's about of the stronger personality taking over. 100%. 100%. So we cut to the police station. Dr. Richmond is telling everyone in the room that Norman is no more, but he is now replaced with his mother, Norma. Uh, he shares the story about Norman killing Norma and her boyfriend that he felt replaced with. He stole her corpse and waited the coffin for the funeral. This is, and I put here. This is really cool. We get a glimpse of of the psyche of Norman from Mister uh, from uh, Doctor Richmond's perspective. Mm-hmm. And this kind of yeah, wraps really up the deep. nice story for us, right? Um, he goes in. He goes in pretty deep as to how Norman would try to be be his mother, doing the things that she does, acting the way she acts, so on and so forth. Doctor Richmond tells them to check the swamp for other missing people. He he gives them the blank. Uh, or wait, excuse me. Another officer comes, goes into the room and asks if he can give Norman a blanket because he's cold. He's yeah. just, he said he's chilled. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he takes the blanket. They tell him, "Yeah, go ahead, give him the blanket and all this other shit." And he he goes in there. He gives him the blanket. Uh, we see Norman sitting in a chair with the blanket, and then Norma's inner monologue is speaking for Norman. However, this works, and I've, this works really fucking great because it's really creepy and the split personalities yeah. really show themselves right here. Yeah. So fucking great. Uh, we get an ending uh, image of Norman smiling and a slow dissolve to a slight skeletal face. Then we see Marion's car getting pulled out of the swamp. Then. The end. Yeah. No, not really credits. <laughs> question mark. Yeah. One line that I really liked when they were having the monologue and saying like, Oh yeah, let them see, let them watch. Watch them watch, yeah. You won't even hurt a fly. 
that's yeah. where it's like she a fly is on yeah the, the flies on Norma the hand needs to put like her don't front. even worry about it you wouldn't even hurt a fly I was like man he's probably even get away so with like good. murder because they're gonna put him like in the psych ward and so be out again fucking or cool and I, he just smiles I'm it, like fuck this film is really progressive because it really is capitalizing on mental illness right 100 um when they're in a police station and the psychiatrist is really explaining what's happening and the yeah that's like not the, norman's fault he yeah, just right. wakes up out of a daze after what his mother does yeah the authority officials like don't really understand right they call him a transvestite they just think he's a murderer right. yeah he's a murderer and, and the psychiatrist really needs to break it down and yeah he's just like no in reality the psychiatrist is breaking it down for the audience yes the camera is oh, shifted sure. in a Cause way because this, this is the 60s so this is new for a lot of yeah. people yeah um and the camera shifted in the way where the psychiatrist is actually speaking to the viewer yes. breaking yeah. it down like yeah. for those who want to understand what happened here's a spiel and this is why it's so messed up right um, so cool but yeah that, so cool that transition of well, you hear well, Norma speaking in through the hallway, and you it sounds like she's in there, right? But we all know Norma is no more. Yeah. It's Norman. So it's really just him. Yeah, yeah. and it's kind of jarring to have that cut into the room that Norman's in after hearing Norma's voice, and he's just there dressed like Norman. Um, like you said, though, yeah. Norma is saying to herself, she needs to put a front. She needs to act nice and, you know, not even hurting a fly as a fly lands on Norman's hand. And right. it's, it's a front of a front. But And we don't really still know what's going on because they even talk about like the whole argument. It's like, oh, he's always been a bad guy. He's always been like mentally ill. Yeah. Where it's like maybe he doesn't have a split personality. Maybe he's literally just crazy. I mean, yeah. Psycho. Psycho. There could be literally psycho, anything yeah, about right? it. Yeah. He's psycho. He's psycho. But the, I mean, again, that's also talking about the mental illness, like bo- bipolar. Sure. Um being bipolar is a mental illness, and yeah. that's, you know, back then people would call it crazy or psycho. Yeah, and people still semi-call it crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's because it, it's not normal. Like, it, it's, and it's normal to them. Yeah. Like, everything that Norman's doing is normal for him. Like, it, it's all normal. And even if you take it back to what's going on, what happened in Bates Motel, um, I actually did finish it. If you guys want to watch it, it's on Netflix. Oh, but yeah, um, yes. I... And, when I finished it, because I, I wanted to go through it, even though the series did start getting a little lame, and they were like oh, a whole bunch of things where I was just like, God, I really hate this like 60s vibe, but in modern day time, like yeah. I really hated it. Um, but like his first kill in Bates Motel, I don't, I don't really want to spoil it for you, but don't spoil it's, it it's, it's such an interesting take because that's when you start to see now his like psyche slip yeah. to where he acted like his mom. Yeah. He thought his mom wouldn't like what he's doing. Yeah. Therefore he, the mom took over and he gets his first kill and it's genius. Mm-hmm. It actually was really well done and that ended season one. And even to today's standards versus like, is he just crazy? Is he just mentally ill? Right. I mean like sadly they're one in the same. It's yeah. just different yeah, labels and what's, what's correctly the correct term for it. Um, because all in all, when you call someone crazy, you're just calling them mentally unstable or mentally ill. Right. But there's just more of a derogatory term to crazy. And some people just choose not to be understanding about it. That's why I really right. like that one line when he was talking to uh, the girl saying, we all go mad a little sometimes. And yes. he like smiles. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's, he, to him, it's normal because... Yeah. 
I mean, this is his life. He's always been this way. Right. He's and, always been mentally society, ill. Yeah. yeah, everyone goes a little yeah. crazy sometimes. But just not to that extent. Yeah, and that's yeah. the and his limitation is a statement of like what that's defined by is different for him because to him going mad is very extreme. But it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Norman believes everyone gets a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. like to him, he justifies that as like Sometimes I get a little crazy and I'll kill someone. Right, right exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, I, we're starting with this film for 2020. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. 2019, back, you know, you know 2019 had Joker, and I felt like this had like those type of discussions. Right. That's why this like film is still so good. Oh, yeah. Right. So many decades later, it still can spark debate. Yeah, no matter what, even like 10 years from now, I think this movie is still going to Yeah, this up. is timeless. 100%. This yeah. is a, a very timeless movie, and this is a movie that will be studied for decades. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, the beauty behind how all of this works, from him even picking his cast, right? Because Janet Lee, <laughs> like, she's fantastic. And on top of that, like I'm not too sure if you guys are familiar with Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. That is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and Janet Lee is... It was funny because this was Janet Lee's first movie. She nice. became big, right? She was, she was very huge. famous from this. This was her first movie. And fun fact about it as well, Jamie Lee Curtis's first movie, Halloween. Yeah. They both starred in horror films for their first movie. Slashers. Yeah. Yep. And Jamie Lee Curtis, 1978. That was yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Only 18 years after her mom did this. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And she was a teenager when she did Halloween too. So she was a pretty much, I think her mom just had her when she did Psycho. Man, like she crazy. like she just had had Jamie. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Um, but I got some facts here. Movie facts. Movie facts. A lot. Facts but I'm, I'm going I'm going to cut them down a bit because there's a lot on here. I'm just picking some ones that seem super interesting to me. But Walt Disney refused to allow Alfred Hitchcock to film at Disneyland in the early 1960s because Hitchcock had made that disgusting movie Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is one of my favorites here. Uh, so, although Janet Lee was not bothered by the filming of the famous shower scene, seeing it on film profoundly moved her. She later remarked that it made her realize how vulnerable a woman was in a shower. To end, uh, to the end of her life, she never took a shower ever again. She only Whoa. took baths. <laughs> um, that's weird. Damn. I never yep. do that. That's crazy. This is what made me watch this movie because my grandma told me that fact. My grandma told me that fact. She said that the actress never took a shower ever again because of of how women were so vulnerable. Gonna just lock the door? Well, (laughs) no, I'm more vulnerable in the bathtub. Well, it was because of the sound. You can't really hear. And also other stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah steaminess, your okay. vision's impaired. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, water's hitting your face and things like that. And so she just never took a, a shower ever again. Damn, that sucks. How fucking crazy is Showers that? Showers are great. I know they are. Uh, in the opening scene, Marion Crane is wearing a white bra because Alfred Hitchcock wanted to show her as being angelic. After she has taken the money, to the, black. Uh, the yeah. following scene has her in a black bra because now she has done something wrong and evil. Similar, Similarly, before uh, she steals the money, she has a white purse. After she's stolen the money, she puts it in a black purse. Ooh, bad girl. <laughs> Attention to details. Love it. So fucking cool, dude. Alfred Hitchcock wanted to make this movie so much that he d- deferred his standard $250,000 salary in lieu of 60% of the movie's gross. Paramount Pictures, believing that this movie would do poorly at the box office, agreed. His personal earnings from this movie exceeded $15 million. Yay. Adjusted for inflation, that amount uh, would be 
over $120 million as of 2016. Yes, dude. Wild. Well-deserved. <laughs> Crazy. When Norman, when Norman first realizes uh, there has been a murder, he shouts, Mother, oh God, oh God, blood, blood, mother. What did you do? Alfred Hitchcock has the bass frequencies removed from Anthony Perkins' voice to make him sound more like a frightened teenager. Mm. So, huh. so interesting. And nice you, do, you do notice it, actually. Yeah. The novel upon which this movie was based was inspired by the true story of Ed Gein. You guys know who that is? Nope. Uh-uh. I'm okay. <laughs> I want to know. Oh, no, now you're going to know. Uh, he was a serial killer, and um, he actually inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He inspired uh, Deranged Confessions of a Necrophilia, and he also inspired The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, wow. This what guy. this guy did, and by serial killer, he killed about four women. But he would skin them. Uh, yes. And he wore it. Uh, Sounds loud. And he made furniture with their skin. Uh, the only reason he got caught, he wore a belt that had a nipple on it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's that game. I feel like fainting. Yeah. He was nuts, man. Uh, yeah. He was, uh, I think, he was in Texas for sure. Um, That's cool. But he had he Gross. had his name was like something butcher the something butcher yeah it's nuts um, cool title though yeah <laughs> I mean they all had really kind of neat monikers <laughs> like so as a horror fan like, yeah. that's kind of cool. so bad to say terrible person terrible act yeah don't don't I would not don't wish do that this on to people like <laughs> um, I'm gonna do a couple more. Uh, in order to implicate viewers as uh, fellow voyeurs, Alfred Hitchcock used a 50 milliliter lens on his 35 milliliter camera. Mm. This gives the closest approx- approximation to the human vision. In the scenes where Norman is spying on Marion, this is the effect that we felt Ooh. that he was looking at us. So cool. Janet Lee invented a complete backstory for Marion Crane, figuring out what she has, uh, figuring out what she was like in high school, her favorite color, etc. Huh, cool. Any details on that or no? No. Damn. I just <laughs> thought it was cool. Yeah, I would want to know more. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, according to Janet Lee, the wardrobe worn by her character, Marion Crane, was not custom made for her, but rather purchased off the rack from ordinary clothing stores. Alfred Hitchcock wanted women viewers to identify with the character by having her wear clothes that are ordinarily, uh, that are ordinary, ordinary secretary uh, could afford and thus add to the mystique of the realism. Not to mention that buying clothes off the rack would help him keep this movie under budget. Nice. I'll do one more. One more. I'm going to go down a little bit deeper on this list here. Uh, Okay, this one's cool. Shooting wrapped February 1st, 1960. Nine days over schedule. A rough cut was finished by April, at which point Alfred Hitchcock was convinced his experiment, quote-unquote, had failed. He was ready to cut the movie down to a television episode instead, but he handed it to Bernard Herrmann to score. After he saw the completed movie with the music, he was very pleased. Hell yeah. And yeah. he was so pleased to the point, this is a, another fact, but I just... Love this part. I wanted to find those. He was so pleased to the point that uh, he gave uh, Bernard Herrmann a double of his salary to $34,501. Hitchcock later said 33% of the effect of Psycho was due to the music. And I think we all... 
really agree agreed on that. Yeah, bit. completely agree on that. That in the editing, in the acting, so fucking great, <laughs> so like great. It. One of my favorite <laughs> oh movies. My God. I love this movie so much. Um, but let us know what you think about Psycho over on Twitter. Are at, you crazy about it? Are, are you? Are you psychotic <laughs> about Psycho? But let us know over at Good Night Life. That's night with a K. Indeed. <laughs> over on Twitter. Um, but we are going to keep this month going strong. This is a great time to walk down memory horror lane. <laughs> and it's just a lot of fun. Just a blast. I'm excited. The next uh-huh. movie that we are going to be watching on our list here is Reanimator. Now, Reanimator is a beautiful story created by H.P. Lovecraft. But it's pretty much the story of Frankenstein. <laughs> but I'm into it. So, Reanimator. So definitely be on the lookout for that one, folks. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. On my left side here, we had David. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for sticking by through 2019. It's much appreciated, and yeah. hope you're going to stay with us through 2020. Let's just stay spooky all year, guys. Yeah, we've entered the 20s. Yeah. We're, spooky boys for life. We're, that's right. That is right, Frederick. (laughs) Also known as Nightly. Across from us, we had Freddy. Spooky boys. Spooky boys. Spooky boys. Also known as Nighty Night. (laughs) Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love if you can recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, guys, don't forget your nightlight.